A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, the new look Team New Zealand takes to the water for its first heavyweight showdown ahead of the 2017 America's Cup. All black newbies Lima Sopawanga and James Broadhurst get the ultimate test. Blackcaps coach Mike Hesson tells us what he wants from the side's latest tour. Ryan Fox discusses with us a major moment in his golfing career. Former Australia coach Norma Plummer dissects the Silver Ferns and Australian surfer Mick Fanning reflects on his brush with death. The first heavyweight showdown on the lead-up to the 2017 America's Cup in Bermuda takes place in Portsmouth this weekend. The AC45 series on the Solent includes all six syndicates already confirmed for the America's Cup regatta in Bermuda. It'll be the first competition for the New Look Team New Zealand Syndicate. And skipper Peter Burling told Barry Guy the focus in the full race programme is all on learning. It's been really good, to be honest. Uh, before our European Championships, this was the last event we've uh, competed in, the 49er. We've, we did a, a six-day camp with the um, the boys in Team New Zealand and in the new new 45F, uh, which we'll be racing this weekend. And I've been uh, really happy with how, how things have been going, but... That's going to be a pretty tough week. Is it, um, well, I don't want to say easy, but, I mean, you know, one boat is you know, sort of similar to another? Uh, yes and no. You know, it's always the same the same principles to kind of win a yacht race or to do things. And uh, the 49er and uh, it's quite a, a fast uh, boat, as, as is the, the AC-45, so... Uh, the, the, I think the scale is the, the main difference. There's five guys on this boat that you've got to, you know, all work in, in unison to make the thing do a good drive or a good tack. Where uh, in the 49er, there's only the two of you, and, and so much smaller. So that's definitely the big difference. Uh, but you've got uh, your 49er teammate with you as well. Um, that that uh, makes the transition a little bit easier, or the teamwork, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's obviously great having having Blair, and uh, we've spent so much time together in the 49er, and and over the years that uh, no, it's really great having having one of your really good mates on the boat with you, and, and someone you, you sail really well with. And uh, I think that that relationship is going to be a, a really strong, uh, you know, building block for the the, the new team New Zealand. Uh, yes. Now this is a uh, a smaller AC forty five, modified slightly. Can you explain that and and what's the sailing in that like? Yeah. So effectively, this is exactly the same AC forty five as was raced in the the last AC World Series in the build up to the the last America's Cup, and uh, the wing and the platform, which or the the boat, effectively is exactly the same above the water, except they've now added uh, hydrofoils below the water so 
yeah, these things now have have T rudders and uh, nice curvy boards, just kind of like you saw in the the last America's Cup. So they're kind of getting over about uh, ten knots of wind. You, you start flying downwind, which is is pretty cool and uh, pretty um, pretty good. It was yeah, about twenty knots out there today, and now we're hooning around kind of a bit over thirty. And uh, most of the time downwind, uh, it was uh, pretty good fun, but uh, definitely makes these boats a bit of a handful. Uh, now, I'm sure technology moves along very quickly, uh, even from perhaps the last America's Cup. So, uh, um, you know, things are more uh, on the edge, perhaps, are they? You know, what, what's it like? Effectively, these are exactly the same boats as, as we had before the last America's Cup. So, yeah, on the technology side, it's it's a few years old technology now. They weren't actually designed to foil, so they've been retrofitted. And I think what you're going to see come Bermuda and in a few years' time when we actually get our America's Cup boats in the water and kind of show what, what the design boys back home have been been working hard on uh, since the last America's Cup. That's going to be a, a pretty good step up. So what is this? This is sort of the new look Team New Zealand. Um, you know, what's it like uh, uh, coming into this? You know, some some of the names aren't there anymore. It's awesome, you know. You know it's got the likes of uh, Ray Davies and Glenn, uh, you know, two of the, two of the really good, good yachties. And uh, it's been really helpful having them here to, kind of speed up our, our learning curve and I think we've got a really good mix of you know youth being kind of me and Blair and, and Guy on the boat this weekend but more experience with the likes of Ray and, and Glenn so uh, it'll be something that we've got a pretty steep learning curve and now uh, this this week isn't isn't the end goal it's the end goal to bring the cup back to New Zealand and, and Bermuda in a year or so's time and uh, it's something that kind of we're all very realistic about that that we're here to learn and to try and do as well as we can, but the main goal is to, to learn. So, you know, uh, you'll be taking it uh, some, a little bit cautious, so obviously you want to make sure everything stays upright and, and you get to the end. Yeah, I'm sure you, you think you will be going cautious, but once you come out there, mate, it's uh, one of those things you'll be pushing as hard as you can to, to try and take it out, and uh, it's one of those things that these boats are, because the uh, apparent wind downwind, how fast you're going, you're actually a lot safer when you are going you know, at pretty good speed, so it's one of those things that it's hard to almost say what is what is cautious in these boats, and that'll be something that I'm sure come race day we'll be pushing pretty hard. A lot of the names of world sort of uh, America's Cup type, uh, all the big names are there. Is it going to be mix, mixing uh, with those guys? Good mixing with them? Yeah, it's obviously uh, pretty cool to get to racing against those guys. The likes of, you know, Ben Ainsley, who's obviously probably got the, well, I think he's got the best track record in Olympic sailing now, and Obviously, an America's Cup belt under him. Uh, Jimmy Spittle, who's, who's uh, done one of the last couple of America's Cups. And, yeah, Frank Kamas, who, who's won the Volvo Ocean Race. And all their crews have, you know, the list of achievements amongst the, the teams here is pretty massive. And that's uh, something pretty cool to, to get to shape up against those guys and, and get to test their skills. That's Team New Zealand skipper Peter Burling talking to Barry Guy. The All Blacks coach Steve Hansen's making no secret of the fact that newcomers Lima Sopawanga and James Broadhurst are on trial for the World Cup. The Highlanders' first five, Sopawanga and Hurricanes' lock Broadhurst, will make the All Blacks' debut against South Africa in Johannesburg this weekend. Hansen made it clear from the outset that all 41 of the squad would get some game time during the rugby championship. And with Dan Carter rested this weekend, it came down to Bowdoin Barrett and Sopawanga for the number 10 jersey. There could still be some concern about Barrett's fitness. Has he fully recovered from the knee injury, which saw him play just one of the last five games of the Hurricanes season? We're up against one of the best sides in the world, if not the best side, and 
playing on their home patch and what better challenge to, to see young players in. Um, you know, we've, we're mindful of the fact that there's a World Cup at the end of the year and um, we've got to select the right 31 people to go to that. Uh, we're mindful that we've got to have an experienced side on the park to be able to compete and but at the same time we have to be brave enough to make some uh, selections that, that allow us to go forward in the future. Steve Hansen in the lead up to the match has also taken another shot at one of his bugbears of the game, the rolling mall. Argentina scored two tries against the All Blacks last week from the rolling mall and Hansen expects the Springboks will look to try and expose further weaknesses in the All Blacks defence in that area. There were three tries scored from rolling malls last week and is that the game we want? Um, it's becoming you know, one of the most predominant ways to score tries. And, and you know, if you're looking at the future of the game, you want people to be able to come and watch it. And do people want to come and watch that? I don't know, some will. Uh, especially, you know, former tight forwards, because they love it. Uh, and, and it's an art, too. Like, it's, uh, you've got to be good at it to be able to do it, and you've got to be good at it to be able to stop it. You know, and last week we were way too high, and we gave them too much room, and, and they were successful at it. But don't, don't be thinking that uh, you shouldn't have rolling balls, but I think it should be a little bit more uh, even contest. Everything else in the game, the charter says the game has to be a, you know, everything's got to be contestable. Uh, but I, my bugbear with the uh, uh, mall is it's not contestable. It's not a fair contest. And, and everyone, including ourselves, is taking advantage of that. Uh, so... Um, you know, but it is what it is, so uh, I'm sure South Africa will have a crack at us because you know, we, we showed vulnerability uh, there last week. Uh, hopefully we've fixed that vulnerability, and we'll see on Saturday. This weekend's match also marks a milestone for veteran Springbok loose forward Schalk Berger. The 76-test veteran will captain the sign for the first time and what's the culmination of a remarkable comeback to the international stage. The 32-year-old loose forward battled injury and life-threatening meningitis to return to the spring box last year. He had a cyst next to his spinal cord and went to hospital for treatment, but developed bacterial meningitis and needed to be moved to intensive care. Berger was so ill, his parents were called to the hospital to say goodbye. I don't think the challenge gets uh, any bigger than that. You know, Obviously, uh, as a youngster growing up in South Africa, I think everything you can remember revolved the spring box versus all blacks. So... Again, a big privilege to play against the All Blacks. You know, it's um, I've been privileged to do it for quite some time. Um, but obviously, leading your country uh, in against the All Blacks, you know, add, adds a bit of extra spark. So obviously, you've got big shoes to fill in Victor and John, who's been exceptional as leaders. So uh, hopefully, I can do that this weekend. You know, this is you know all of it. You know, it happened all of it quickly. But you know, if you, I think one day if I sit back and have a glass of wine and think back, <laughs> how long I come in a short space of time, you know, you you probably probably sound like a bit of a fairy tale. So obviously this is a great privilege and a great honour representing uh, South Africa as a captain. That's new Springbok captain Schalk Berger. And the match against South Africa kicks off at five past three on Sunday morning. Now also in South Africa currently, uh, the Black Caps. Kane Williamson will lead the New Zealand cricket side in three one-dayers and a T20 match against Zimbabwe and then three one-dayers and two 2020 games against South Africa. Brendan McCullum, Tim Southey, Trent Bolt and Corey Anderson are all staying at home during the tour. Mitchell Santner was a late withdrawal after fracturing his thumb during training earlier this week and he's been replaced by Central District's all-rounder George Worker. 
Speaking to the media at Auckland Airport ahead of their departure, Black Caps coach Mike Hessen was asked just what he expects to get from the tour. Firstly, we'd like to win um, a couple of series. You know, that's uh, something we'd, you know, we'd love to do. As I said, you can't take anything for granted. And Zimbabwe is that first port of call for us. Uh, and we'd like to see some, you know, some of our players further evolved in terms of, you know, being solid international cricketers. And if we can achieve both of those things, then we've had a good tour. Did the one-day series loss in England break it a little? Oh, I think it did because there were a couple of times where we had the game uh, by the scruff of the neck and. Uh, on two occasions, we you know we let that slip, and you know we were very disappointed with that. But um, you know we also exposed some um, young guys at key times, and um, they'll be better off for that. How's Adam Milne? How's his body? And how important is this tour for him? Oh, I think every important tour is important for Adam. Um, you know, anyone that bowls 150 kilometres an hour uh, puts a lot of stress on the body, and is going to struggle to stay on the park all the time. So we, we accept that. Um, that's what we want from Adam. And, but he's worked extremely hard to get back. He's he's had some tough times because it's been an injury that's lingered. But um, you know he's feeling good. So key for us is not to go too hard too soon with him. And with Brendan obviously not being there, who have you got earmarked to open the batting in his place? Uh, Tom Latham. Uh, yep, Martin Guptill and Tom Latham will will open the batting. And uh, Tom's been a a bit of a campaigner for us. He's travelled around a lot and, and hasn't played a lot. Um, particularly in one spot, so we'd like to give him some extended opportunities there. What about George Sharp? Do you see him as a direct replacement for Mitch and Sandler? No, I mean, Mitch, Mitch and George, um, you know, they both cover three roles, really. Um, Mitch covered the top order batting, covered the middle order and some spin, so George is not as capable with the ball as, as Mitchell, but um, he's certainly useful. Um, so it just depends on whether we want to go in with you know, two or three spinners. Are you surprised at how long it's taken George to make it through to the top grade, given he was the under-19 captain and looked to be tracking pretty well about six years ago? Yeah, look, I think everyone matures a little differently. You know? Um, you know, whether that be from a cricket point of view or whether that just be from a life point of view. And, um, you know, some come early and they need a break and come back again. I think George has sort of done the hard yards and uh, certainly deserves his opportunity through performance. What about Ish Sodi? I think a few people probably considered he was pretty unlucky to miss out on a contract. Um, how important is this tour for him, and what do you sort of see as his, his place, I suppose, in this in this team across all the formats? Well, Ish is a, an attacking weapon for us, um, and in one-day cricket we've always stated we need to keep taking wickets through the middle, so um, Ish's ability to do that, ability to spin the ball both ways, to expose both edges is important. And, um, Ish will get better in time, but um, he's also you know, quite young in his career, but um, bowling really nicely at the moment and confident, so um, you know, he's looking forward to having a wee go with the white ball. What are you expecting from Zimbabwe? Uh, as I said, against India, they've, you know, they're very difficult in their own conditions. They've said 9am starts, um, you know, if you're bad at 9am in the morning it, it moves around a bit, it's challenging. And I saw India, you know, 3 for 40, 4 for 50, it's a, it's a tough place to start, um, and they know those conditions well. Uh, they don't have a lot of pace, it's more medium pace and, and a lot of spin, so um, you know, we're sort of preparing to confront that. That's Black Cabs coach Mike Hesson. The New Zealand golfer Ryan Fox is reflecting on a solid performance at his first major appearance at the British Open. The 28-year-old Aucklander shot a 5-under par 67 in his final round to finish in a tie for 49th at 4-under for the tournament. Joining the likes of big-hitting American Dustin Johnson, Ryder Cup hero Jamie Donaldson and former world number ones Lee Westwood and David Duval. It was also the first time he'd played at the home of golf, St Andrews in Scotland. 
Matt Chatterton caught up with Fox to find out just how he rated playing in his first major. Obviously, see my name on the leaderboard with, you know, included with those guys, and then to share around like like I did, albeit under um, completely different circumstances, being first group out, and, and we had really good conditions all day with with no wind. But you know, just I, I guess it gives me confidence for the future that that I can compete with these guys. How long do you think the uh, the buzz of playing in your first major and competing in your first major will uh, last? I imagine it, it'll probably go down pretty quickly because I'm, I'm going to a calendar event this week in France, so I've sort of got to start preparing for that. And you know, it'll certainly be a bit different compared to playing with all the crowds over here. But um, I'm sure when I get home, that buzz will still be there, and you know, I'll be you know, be re- reliving it with with friends and and family and um, having you. Know, Plenty of discussions about it, so I'm sure it won't go away for a long time after that. What was that like having that uh, home support uh, going around with you? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, obviously, mum and dad flew over for it. Uh, my girlfriend flew over, especially for it. Uh, my sister and her fiance came up from London. Um, then my girlfriend's parents came over as well. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a great, a great house full of Kiwis. It was. Um, a lot of Kiwis out on the golf course as well, and obviously with the support on social media and, and Willie doing just a fantastic job with the Fox Tracker. Um, so many messages of support, and um, yeah, I mean it means a lot. It means a lot to me to to get all of that support, and um, yeah, it's just just made the week even better. Can you uh, pinpoint anything in particular that was a standout moment for you during this week? I would, I would say it would be sort of the last five holes on on Saturday for me after. After a pretty long um, couple of days, and you know, I was sitting at one over with five holes to play, and, and knowing that even par was going to be the cut, and then to to go out and and probably hit a shot of my life on 14 to, to almost hole out with a four iron, and then um, deal with the nerves and and the pressure, and and hit just four great shots, or play four great holes coming in, and make two more birdies, you know, make the cut pretty easily. That that was certainly the highlight of the week. So now that you're done here at St Andrews, are you going to try and make it on the European Tour after that finish, or do you think you'll try and stick it out on the Challenge Tour for the rest of the season? Um, well, at this stage, I'm coming back a bit later in the year, um, hopefully for a couple more Challenge Tour starts, and um, I'll get a start in the downhill links through, through the Aussie Tour. So I'll get another another go around St Andrews and, and get to play Carnoustie and Kings Barnes as well. And, um, yeah, just... Other than that, really try to get as much opportunity as possible on the Challenge Tour and, and see if I can crack the top 15 to, to get a European card for next year. That was Ryan Fox talking to Matt Chatterton. Having easily accounted for Fiji, the Silver Ferns have a step up in intensity when they play South Africa in the first of two tests in Hamilton on Sunday. The Silver Ferns beat Fiji by 60 goals on Thursday night in Wellington, winning 91-31. to They now have two tests against South Africa before heading to next month's World Champs in Sydney. In the 25 tests the two nations have played, South Africa have managed to beat the New Zealand Silver Ferns once. That was at the 1995 World Cup. Coaching the South African side now is former Australia coach Norma Plummer. I... I I asked her just how much South Africa could learn from that Silver Ferns match against Fiji and what she made of the new look Silver Ferns side. When um, there's no um, pressure um, pressure on you, you know, it can practically look like doing systems down the court. So 
you know, you, you need you need to see them under pressure to see where the down the downfall comes, or if there's the weak area. That didn't really expose anything last night. So, what do you therefore do? as South African coach, to, to try and create that pressure? Are there areas that you will target or think you can target? Oh, I guess you'll have to wait and see on that one. If you look at that line-up, how much of it do you know for the oh. Silver Ferns? I mean, obviously, there's only sort of one genuine newcomer, but, but the others, there's not a lot of experience in some, some positions. No, you know, they've all played ANZ, and um, that competition's the best in the world, so... You know, and they're going to be a formidable team. So you, you would never take anything lightly. You don't. And as I said, to look at last night's game, you wouldn't judge anything from it because, um, you know, you, you, opposition brings out the best a lot of times. So, therefore, you know, you've got to see each team under pressure and how they handle it. What have you made of that squad? Were you surprised by the changes that Waitamanu made and getting rid of um, the likes of Jolene Henry and Liana Leota? Things hadn't been working for you, so I guess um, time had probably come along that something had to change. I mean, for me, for World Champs in 2011, um, I didn't actually go for the change, but I was forced into it when I lost McMahon and then I lost Lauren Nurse. So my changes came through major injuries, but it also gave opportunities to some of the best players with Bassett and and Pittman and it out on and Aaron Bell out on the, on the floor and they stood up beautifully. So I mean, you know, there's nothing to say that um, that won't work for the Ferns. I, I I did have a query of not taking Latu. I I really I do rate him, but then you have to actually coach a player to see um, what the issues are. If there's any you know anything that uh, she doesn't. Um, well, comprehend or she doesn't actually move into with the team. I don't know those. I don't know the in-depth things on that. But as a player, I just think she's got the best pair of hands and speed on the ball. And um, I often felt it was uh, the centre court and the wings were looking away just as she was about to make the best move under the post and then they'd look away and deliver the ball. So, um, yeah, I would look at her game slightly different, but... As I say, um, I haven't coached us, so I can only look from the outside in. Could you see this New Zealand side being a contender for the World Cup, though? I mean, for, for the way the side's gone over the past year, you'd possibly even say they, that getting to the final might be a struggle for them. You never underestimate. I mean, the Ferns have been there for a long time. You've got two experienced coaches sitting there that have been both through it. Um, you know, anything can happen at a World Series... Um, teams have got to get through unscathed, um, no major injuries. So, as I say, it, it, I think it's a bit wide open, though. I think it'd be interesting to see what England can do. Um, you know, they literally had Australia and New Zealand both at the Commonwealth Games and blew it. They had both teams absolutely on ropes and didn't uh, didn't finish it off. So it'd be interesting to see what in England comes up with now. So they've changed up their side as well and brought back a bit more experience. So I think, um, yeah, it's a little bit wide open there, but I, I, I would actually have to struggle to say that I couldn't see Australia taking it off. I mean, the depth within the team on its own is fantastic. What about yourself, Norma? How are you enjoying being back on the, on the international scene? Yeah, well, it was um, just came out of the blue. I mean, I wasn't expecting uh, to, you know, come my way, but um, 
uh, they they need a bit of help, and uh, I had been working with them, so I decided to take on the position. I, I don't underestimate the massive job we've got in front of us. You know, we're, as I say, Australia and New Zealand, they've had four years practically putting teams together. We're going to have three weeks, so... But I, I'm really enjoying it, and the girls are just so hungry for information. So it's about this series for us is about getting out there and getting the intensity. That's something that they haven't been able to uh, probably mirror compared to what an ASZ championship is and for the um, Australian and New Zealand players to play every weekend. This now gives them um, a really hard hit out on the ferns. But what it does for us is sets us up for so that when we walk into World Champs and we hit Malawi game one, we've had intensity. Because I find often if you haven't had intensity, that you can go into a competition and not be on the money in the first quarter and it takes you one to two quarters to get going. And so I'm hoping that this hit out really elevates them and has their intensity up when we hit the court against Malawi first game. I was talking to South Africa netball coach Norma Plummer. The surfer hailed a hero for paddling towards Mick Fanning as he was fighting off a great white shark, says he was getting ready to use his board as a weapon. Julian Wilson and Fanning have spoken at a news conference after returning to Australia from the ill-fated World Surfing League in South Africa. And the Queensland Premier's even nominated Wilson for a bravery award. At first I was frozen. Mick was looking at me... Big old fish popped up behind him that was a lot bigger than him. And I froze, honestly froze, and and saw him start to get kind of manhandled by the, the shark. And I was kind of freaking out. I wasn't moving. I was trying to weigh out the situation, what was going on. And he was kind of getting wrestled off his board. And then a wave came between us, and I just started paddling for him, just like fearing for his life. I came over the wave and I was like just kind of praying that he was going to be there um, and not underwater and there wasn't, you know, blood everywhere and just worst case scenario. But I came over the wave and, and he was away from his board. The, the shark had kind of broke, bitten through his leg rope and the board was like 15, 20 metres away from him and then I just went into like straight panic mode like he doesn't, you know, he's just sitting dark now. I felt like I had my board still and if I could just get to him and I was just felt like I wasn't moving at all and I felt like I couldn't get there in time and um, I was just waiting for him to kind of get get manhandled again from from beneath and I was just yeah praying that I wasn't going to see that same thing and I was just kind of thinking that maybe by the time I got there like I'd be swimming down to find him. Yeah it was such a horrific feeling I couldn't see the shark, so I also felt like I had any chance it could come up on my left side and, you know, have a go at me as well, but I just wanted to try and get my board to Mick and if if he was wrestling it or whatever, if I could get there with my board, I had a weapon and I had some sort of something that could help. I didn't know until we got on the boat that all limbs were intact and... He was fine. He was somewhat of a miracle for sure. Mick Fanning appeared close to tears as he recounted the events at Jeffrey's Bay. He said while he was in the water, he was just waiting for the shark to come and take a leg. And he called Wilson a superhero. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay though. Like, you know, I haven't got a scratch on me or, um, yeah, it's just sort of more of a, um, an emotional 
uh, mental sort of trauma right now. Um, and it'll probably take, probably take, I don't know, a couple of weeks, months. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take. But um, I'm, I'm just lucky I've got really good people around me. That was surfer McFanning reflecting on his brush with a great white shark in South Africa. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Houston. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.